Lightning Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the UFC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is the sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. Hello again, Broncos country. Guess what, David? What's We're that, back. Did we ever really leave? We're back. Well, I mean, we we took a little bit of a hiatus. I, I right. Suppose. I mean, we took a we took a summer break. In reality, yes, physically we took a summer hiatus, but I feel like metaphysically, i.e., in the hearts and minds of our listeners, we were we were there the whole time. Yeah, in the hearts and minds of our listeners, they were like, "When can we get me some more Orange Weekly?" That's what I heard. That's, that's what everybody. That's what everyone's saying. It's uh, it's it's uh, it's on on the tweeters. Well yeah, everyone's Every asking. Media. Everyone's asking. Uh, TikTok, uh, definitely. We yes. Have huge presence on TikTok now, despite never having TikTok. made the, the TikTok. Or yep, yep, and and uh, unfortunately, a lack of presence on uh, our OnlyFans. Uh, not as not as much going that way. I mean, I don't, when you say lack of presence, like I I'm there. I'm in the room. So maybe yeah. Well, no, I know. Uh, but when you have one fan, it's not it's not the same, David. Well, it's, oh, it's called OnlyFan, Jared. It's not it's not separate <laughs> fans. Okay, there's one. Oh, I love it, guys. We're back. Denver Broncos football is back. Orange Weekly is here, and David and I are here to break down for you uh, the pregame for this upcoming game, Monday night game against the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Russell Wilson going back to Seattle for the first time since he got traded to Denver. And uh, what? Yeah, is that a big deal? Is there is there some storylines to this game? I wasn't aware that I this just, was there was. Any I, you you look so perplexed at this fact, mm, no, like this yeah. is just a thing. I wasn't really aware that there were any kind of special storylines or connotations around this particular game. He, haven't been haven't been really plugged in on that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let far. me let me educate you, David. Uh, he won Super Bowls with the Seahawks against the Broncos, specifically. If you guys, yeah, I can't believe you blacked that one out. Well, actually, never mind. We all blacked that one out. Right, and uh, out. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, yeah, going back to Seattle for the first time. This is going to be an interesting game. You know, the commentators are all about. Uh, Russell Wilson going back to Seahawks, so it's going to be a difficult one to watch with the commentators. But I'm I'm excited for this game, David. How, how about you? Football's back, man. How you feeling? Football is back, and I will tell you what. I think I'll be turning on the Manning Cast uh, stream for this for this particular Ooh. one because yeah, you're call. right. Otherwise, the the commentators are just going to be all over the narratives and the angles, this, that, and the other thing. Uh, and you know, there's some interesting stuff to talk about, and we're going to dive into all the matchups, Jared. But from a meta perspective, what do you like uh, from the team? Seeing from the team as they roll, and I know we've talked about this a lot on the Bourbon Broncos and OBS show. Tune in every Tuesday to catch that. But I know we've talked about a lot about you know where the team is rolling into the regular season from the preseason. But we didn't see many of the starters play during the preseason. How are you feeling generally uh, headed into our first regular season game? 
I am I'm excited. Okay. And we will I'm I'm excited to talk about that mm-hmm. because we will get to that kind of questions, those kinds of questions <laughs> and 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 the things that these kind of questions that David's are bringing uh just sit back, relax and enjoy this episode of the Orange Weekly pregame podcast. Orange Weekly, fans, brews, and Broncos news. Okay, David, now you can ask me the questions that you want to ask me. Uh, let's talk about it. Preseason to po- preseason to regular season, we didn't get to see a lot of starters. It's kind of important that we see those starters in the preseason, but I, I think I'm excited for this game. I think uh, the guys like Cortland Sutton, Javante Williams, uh, Melvin Gordon, guys who did not get uh, preseason time, I'm excited to see what they can do in this offense uh, that I, I also don't think we've seen the, the full unload of this offense no, and, think- and what it can do. I think you're totally right, and I think, um, and let's you know, let's start on that offensive side of the ball because this year it's it should be fun to talk about the offense. Uh, so yeah, let's 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 transition a little bit to that offensive side of the ball. Do you think? Um, obviously, you're going to have a lot of what Russell Wilson wants in this offense. Um, yes. How much of it do you think is going to be a true collaboration with Nathaniel Hackett? Do you think it's really going to be more along the lines of what Peyton Manning did in just completely installing his own offense here? Uh, or do you think it'll be more of a hybrid model uh, with concepts of both Wilson and Hackett in there? I think it's going to be a hybrid model. And I think the most under underappreciated, under-talked uh, storyline here is the Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson. I, I don't think we're getting enough of how much they're actually talking and how much they're on the sidelines as, as, I know that they mentioned in one of the preseason games that that you had Russell Wilson calling the offensive plays for I think the second half of mm-hmm. one of those preseason games, and and I think you're underestimating the the fact that it's not just oh one person's leading and the other person doesn't want that. I think it's really a combination of they're both on the same page, and that's what I want to hope for. I want to hope that they're both on the same page. They have the same vision. They have the same concept of what they want to run. And um, and and ultimately, when Russell Wilson calls an audible, it's something that Nathaniel Hackett in the back of his mind is saying, "Yeah, nope, I would have done the same thing for sure." And uh, you know, it's really interesting to kind of, you know, obviously, it's hard to avoid the chatter about the big ESPN article that came out about Russell Wilson and how his tenure in Seattle ended. That all came out this week, um, but it's re- it's really interesting to see this coaching staff kind of doing the opposite of what you saw Wilson dealing with in Seattle, as far as, like you said, you know, having him call plays during the second half of a preseason game, just having the player be that involved in every aspect of the offense. It's, you know, it's just a really interesting strategy to see Hackett lean into that when it was pretty obvious that Pete Carroll wanted nothing to do with that kind of strategy. So yeah, yeah it's yeah it's going to be really really interesting to see how, if that pays dividends for the team. Um, yeah, no, Pete Carroll was Pete Carroll was definitely a my way or the highway kind of coach, and and not for nothing, it got Russell Wilson where he is today. He learned a lot from Pete Carroll. He learned a lot from the offensive side. He learned a lot about how to read defenses. Um, can't can't hate on him too much for that. But it got to a point where Russell's like, 
I feel like I've been in the league long enough to understand what's going on and understand what I think we should call. And if you're not seeing it, like, let me call some plays. And I think that's where some of that came out and talking about that ESPN article. Um, See, yeah, uh, I, I, I'm go ahead. Go ahead. I just I'm baffled by the strategy of Seattle because that article, I don't think, drops now unless the people who were interviewed on the Seattle side you know, wanted that story to come out now. Oh, for uh, sure. And I just, I don't understand the strategy there. Cause yeah, I mean, obviously if you trade a quarterback like Russell Wilson, who everybody thinks of in the league as a franchise quarterback, you think of him as a descending player. And that's the big quote, right? That's the quote. The pull line from the article is that an unnamed Seattle source called him a descending player. You right. traded him away. Obviously you think he's a descending player, so why drop that quote the week before the regular season starts and you're about to play him in what everybody is already hyping up as a revenge game? How is that? I, what are you doing to help yourself there? All you did was give Russell Wilson bulletin board material. That's it. Yeah, I, I think that's part of it. And so there's there's two ways for a team from from a sports management standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, there's two ways for a team to look at this. It's the Indy and Peyton Manning way. And what Seattle's doing with Russell Wilson, Indian Peyton Manning, they were like, look, he gave us Super Bowls. He brought us winning seasons. He is a he is a, an athlete and, and he's he, he is a great quarterback. And when he came back, they get, had this whole like, thank you, Manning. They gave him cheers and yada, yada, yada. Super classy goodbye because they understand the importance of what they did to bring him to bring Indy. Uh, into into the light, really. Like they were a winning franchise for a long time because of him. Yeah. Seattle, for some reason, and and I I don't know what the I don't know what the thought process is other than a fan standpoint. And here's my problem with it: mm-hmm. is there's a lot of you, you drive money into either hating or loving somebody. That's look at the WWE mentality, right? If you look at wrestling, people want to either love a wrestler. Or they want to hate a wrestler. And that's yeah. why you have the way that they set it up is for that reason, because that's what drives that's what drives revenue. So now you have Seattle who just traded away their franchise quarterback. Yep. And what what is the thought process of, of trading away the franchise quarterback? Okay, maybe he was descending. Maybe he didn't do so well last year, even though for the record, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett had amazing years that they're gonna not have this year. I stayed away from them in fantasy. Um but but you know, maybe dropped off a little bit and, and isn't getting that winning seasons that they used to have with, say, the Legion of Boom, with a defense that, that could be able to keep them on keep them on the field. I I think the thought process here is that the fans of Seattle, of the Seahawks, want to make him a villain. Yeah. And the and 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 the, the team is leaning into it. So this unnamed source might be the freaking dude that cooks their their, their breakfast. And and that unle- that unnamed source could just be a guy that's a mole. It's like, hey man, let's leak this. Let's get this now to make this game a villain versus hero game. Because also, let's remember they don't have a quarterback. Well, and that's the. I mean, you know, I think there's more to that too. Like, if you don't have anything for your team to root for this season if you don't have anything and it's i think it's right pretty 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 obvious that they're in a rebuild right now um so you know if you don't have any young stars any any big time players on your squad anymore 
you got to have something to get your fans to root against. Uh, yeah, you, you want to keep that, you know, the twelves alive. You want to keep that loud Seattle environment reputation that you're so known for alive. Uh, so you know, with with nothing else to cheer for this season, yeah, you're giving them something to cheer against. Um, that's a right. great way to put it. I, I think that's exact exactly the way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about matchups. Um, what's yes. one matchup? Uh, this offense versus the Seattle defense that you like. Okay, so a lot of things. Uh, So our offense, uh, new, improved. We got a quarterback that can actually throw the ball downfield. And and we have an offensive line who's actually playing really well. uh, You know, without give or take the right tackle situation, I think Billy Turner is going to do a very good job playing at that right tackle tackle spot. Um, However, on the defensive side, I think I only have one or two people on that defensive side that I'm actually scared of. Jamal Adams... Right, and we'll and, talk and about we'll, that because we'll get okay. to that point. We'll get to that point, and Shelby Harris, because yeah. we know what Shelby Harris can do, and I think I think what scares me most with Shelby Harris is his uh, ability to to break up passes, and when you have a quarterback who's not over six foot, it's a little bit more easy to it's a little easier to break up passes. The big mitt, right? We used to call it the mitt um, to break up the passes. So we're gonna have to keep an eye out on Shelby Harris. Again, revenge game for him a little bit too. Uh, we trade, we did trade him. Um, but also, yeah, Jamal Adams. I, I, I'm interested to see your pick because I think you think Jamal Adams is washed up slash uh, not as good as he was. He was uh, tagged up to be that one, uh, and specifically in pass defense. Um, I think he's a great box safety. I think he's a great run defender. I don't think that his coverage skills match up with what he can do um, as a tackler. Uh, so so, so hear me hear me out is your is your ability your your view of him based on the contract he got no or based on as as a general strong safety across the board because he's one of the top strong safeties right now because of his contract that he got right yeah yeah for sure from, just, so, yeah, from a contract so standpoint I, I got, agree I think the contract they had to give him that they, they paid two round two first round picks for him you cannot yeah they pay two first round way picks overreached for, for this dude like and then not resign him they way overreached for this dude. I'm 100% on you. But as far as strong safeties in this league, I'd say he's a top 5 to 10, 10 to 5 strong safety in this league. Right. So, I, I mean, I'll agree with that. Um, you know, but just from a standpoint of I don't think there's really – there's no elite strong safeties in the league right now, I don't think. And maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe I haven't just deep-dived enough this offseason – into the around the league stars at that position. But to me, you know, they are the old style strong safety that you're used to thinking of that doesn't have to cover well, that is, you know, really, really important on first and second downs. It's kind of archaic in this day and age of the NFL. You really, I'm not saying there's no place for it, but it really is becoming more of a hybridized league just in that you want, you know, ideally, if you're going to have a guy like that, you want him to be able to play linebacker in your nickel packages. Um, and if you don't have the coverage skills necessary, you've just you've got to be elite in other ways. And I'm not entirely sure that Jamal Adams is elite in other ways. I just think he's very good in other ways. So hmm. I would be 
I would like to see Jamal Williams meet him in the open field. Not Jamal Williams. Um, Javante. Uh, Javante Williams. Thank you. I've been watching Hard Knocks, and Jamal Williams is <laughs> a Lions player. Uh, Javante Williams. I'd like to see Javante Williams meet him in an open field, and we'll see how, how that goes. I, I I mean, I think anybody meeting Javante Williams in open field is kind of a loss for them. He's, yeah. he's run over everybody. I'd, he could take on a linebacker, a defensive lineman. He's still going to run him over. I... I, I hear okay. Let's let's shift it. So we're still mm-hmm. in the secondary. Let's talk about uh, um, Tyreek Woolen. Okay. Right. So rookie fifth round pick, fifth round pick rookie starting cornerback for the uh, for this this Seattle defense. I mean, you're talking about you got Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and KJ Hamler at the wide receiver. KJ is probably going to be in the slot uh, if we don't throw Jerry Judy in there. I pick. I, I mean, rookie fifth round pick against Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy. I, I, you, you can't, you can't take a better matchup, right? Well, and you know, he's he's a guy that has the size speed profile that you want in a in a corner, and he played at, um, boy, let's see, University of Texas, Texas San, Antonio. San Antonio. Okay, that that would do it. Um, yeah, he's six foot four. 209 pounds, and he ran a 4.26 at the combine, Jared. 4.26 at 6.4, 209. Um, So that, I mean, if you're looking for a reason why the fifth-round rookie is starting in Seattle, there's a big glaring sign over it right there. Now, I have not watched a lot of their preseason games, so I don't really know as far as the tape how well he's actually held up in coverage to this point. But it's going to be Well, enough to get the starting job. That's it. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see him up against Cortland Sutton because I'm betting that's going to be a matchup we see a lot. Um, you know, to see the size on size and strength on strength there uh, and, you know, see who wins those matchups early on, that's going to be a really, really interesting one to watch. Yeah, it looks like their normal starter, Trey Brown, is out. Uh, he's on the reserve pup list uh, with a knee injury. Yeah, I'm. I'm – I, I, I'm looking at this secondary, David, and you got to correct me if I'm wrong, man. There is nobody there that scares me in coverage. No, no, for sure. And we'll, we'll, we'll see. I've heard this season that the Seahawks are going to be leaning a little bit more into the, uh, the big Fangio style of defense. They tried to hire Ed Donatel and almost did before he got named uh, defensive coordinator for the Vikings instead. Uh, so I know that they're trying to incorporate some more of those principles this season and get a little bit further away from that old style Seattle Legion of Boom cover three that they've they were so famous for. Um, that might be, you know, kind of what they're hoping is a mitigating factor, uh, just because, you know, you know, as well as I do, those those defenses rely a little bit less on elite secondary talent to really, really be effective. Uh, but we'll see. Russell Wilson knows a lot of those players. Uh, he knows that, you know, a lot of the players in that secondary really well and what their strengths and weaknesses are. Uh, and he knows what the coaching staff's tendencies are on that defensive side of the ball. So, I, you know, I, I think that there's a decent chance for the Broncos offense to come out and look fresh. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, do they have a new defensive coordinator out there? Uh, so their defensive coordinator, Clint Hurt, uh, he's been with the Seahawks for a while. Uh, this is the first year that he is going to be defensive coordinator, but he's uh, he was assistant head coach and defensive line coach with the Seahawks 
Uh, he's been that since 2017. Before that, he was with the Chicago Bears with guess who? Big Fangio. So yeah, yeah there's some there's some roots there for sure. I uh, know. I just I. I- I, I agree with you. I think they're going to have to change up the defense. I think that's not a choice for them. It's an it's a have to. Uh, you have a guy who played against that defense for how many years was he in Seattle? I, I and and he saw that defense every single day, so he knows exactly what that defense can play. Um, yeah, it's going to be difficult now. Outside of the 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 secondary, um, again, you're right. Seattle's in a rebuild mode. Yeah. And so on on this defensive side, it's a lot of guys who like no like people that you have no idea who they are. Well, and like, got, I'm just going to be honest. And they've got some good players. You know, Puna Ford is a really really reliable defensive end. Um, we've already talked about Shelby Harris. I know they're excited yeah. about Boye Mafe, um, another one of their draft picks this year. From I think he was a second round pick, uh, a pass rusher for them. I know they're excited about him, so I expect that we will see him at some point. But yeah, there's no, I mean, there's no players to the level of a Randy Gregory or Bradley Chubb on this defense, on this defensive front. Um, and that's, you know, good news for, I think, a, a Broncos offensive line that you hope will be uh, average or slightly above average this year. But, you know, you want them to be able to get that confidence and gel together in that first game. So if they can come out and have a good game against what looks like and not so stellar Seahawks pass rush right now that's going to really help their confidence going forward yeah and and on Boye Mafe he didn't even practice he's he's limited in practice with a shoulder injury as of today okay so he might not even play against us uh depending on I mean if he's limited on Thursday there's a chance he might not play on on Monday so I they're also I will say this they're also as I'm looking at just their depth chart again a lot of names I do not recognize and we've been studying the NFL for a long time um, a lot of a lot of questionable injuries. A lot of injuries. Uh, a couple IRs. Trey Brown, like I said, Trey Brown is out. That's a name I recommend recognize. Um, and then uh, you know a couple defensive ends with on the IR. They they threw a lot of guys in the IR. So we should right if all goes well. Again, first week of the NFL season, lots of things can happen. But th- there should be no reason we don't run and pass all over this defense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's switch it. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll we'll get to it in a little bit. I know there's some there's some news from from camp camp from practice today uh, that's going to make you upset. I'm a little afraid it's going to set you off, but we will see how that goes. Um, uh, Hold on. Yeah. No. Say it. Okay. Uh, I'm ready. So we had Jonas Griffith, uh, inside linebacker, re- return to practice as a full participant today. That's the good news. The bad news, uh, Josie Jewell showed up on the injury report today with a calf injury. He's limited. Uh, so we may see that inside linebacker depth get tested a little bit against Seattle. Jared, you look you look so happy right now. I have I have I have fifteen questions. Uh-huh. The first one, what linebacker depth? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Uh, all right, let me I'm gonna counter that question with a question. Name a team in the NFL that has great inside linebackers. No, I I don't care about other teams in the NFL. (laughs) We have have a guy that goes down, and you're like, oh, we're going to test the linebacker depth. Tell me who it is. 
It's going to be Alex Singleton, probably. Alex I'd Singleton would be the primary backup in either case. Singleton with the Listen, fucking I name. understand. One of those guys gets hurt, and we're playing nickel the whole game, and I now mean, they're running the ball all we, over us. We went over this the last time, last time, Jared. We played nickel, like, over 60% of the time. Uh, 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 you're making up stats. Defense. That's just not... Like I, you're I, making I, up I stats. Sent, see, I sent you the stats, and you got very upset you about did, the stats. Though. And then ignored the stats. I did. Uh, I don't think I, don't think I then, remember seeing the numbers. Yeah. It was all about the numbers, David. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, until Jared remembers seeing the numbers, let's get into matchups a little bit on this defense. I think we can move away from something that may be a little bit of a bummer as far as the inside linebacker depth goes and move towards the, what really should be the star matchup of the night on both sides of the ball, which will be Pat Sertan versus DK Metcalf. Uh, I know yeah. that uh, there's questionable quarterback play that may lead to Metcalf not having uh, the stats that he's used to, but it's really going to be interesting to see who's more physical. Who's cause you know, Sertan's got size, he's got length and, but Metcalf is one of the most physical receivers in the league. I don't think I've seen a body like his at wide receiver since Calvin Johnson. And right. so it's it's really, really going to be fascinating to see who gets the better of who uh, in that particular matchup. I'll tell you this. We're not going to see it. Okay. We're okay. not, not going to see unless you go back and watch tape. Yeah. which I know a lot of us do. Mm-hmm. But unless you go back and watch tape, you're not going to see how well Pat Sertan did against uh, DK Metcalf because DK Metcalf is not going to be able to get the ball to him uh, the way that Pat Sertan plays defense. I think mm-hmm. the way that he blankets him, regardless of whether he gets beat physically, I think the way that he plays defense and the way that he he just blankets the, defen- the defender, no quarterback in their right mind that doesn't want to throw three interceptions is going to throw to DK Metcalf this game. Let's be honest. If you're going to throw, you got to throw to Tyler Lockett on the other side, and we'll talk about that. Tyler Lockett versus Ronald Darby. I, I, I Orange and blue goggles here. I love Ronald Darby. Tyler Lockett wins that matchup, man. Yeah, You're oh, not I mean, going to throw yeah, to DK sure. Metcalf. You're not going to throw a DK Metcalf if he's, playing, if he's blanketed by Pat Sertan when you, guys, when you have Ronald Darby against Tyler Lockett. And and that's that's just my thought process. What I'm excited about is is Pat Sertan and Justin Simmons against Geno Smith. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, All right. That's the I real can... matchup I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. All right. Because if if that. he goes to anybody but Tyler Lockett, if he goes to anybody but Tyler Lockett, or honestly, I don't. And again, this is the other cool thing I like about the Broncos defense. We don't shift guys based on where they line up. Right, like Pat Sertan's going to play on one side, Donald Darby's going to play on the. They're going to try to match up DK Metcalf against Ronald Darby, and I know it. Um, but that's why you have guys like Justin Simmons and Cream Jackson to be able to help him out if he needs it, if if he needs it. There you go. But I don't. Yeah. I don't think they have somebody that can throw to him as accurately as they had in Russell Wilson. So I don't think that they're going to be able to throw as accurately against us as they have in the past. I think that's fair. Um, now let's go up front. Um, cause I, you know, you know me, and this is really uh, what I have been counting on to stop the run more than anything else. As far as the linebackers go, um, what do you think about the, the, the matchup of this defensive front, DJ Jones, um, Draymond Jones and Deshaun Williams against, uh, you know, you've got some rookie tackles, two rookie tackles for the Seahawks. And then you've got Damian Lewis at left guard, Austin Blythe at center and Gabe Jackson, who, 
pretty capable pickup, Gabe Jackson, uh, former Raiders, still, I think, a, a decent player um, at right guard for them. But then you've got Abraham Lucas at right tackle and Charles Cross at left tackle. So two rookies there. Uh, what do you think of the matchups there? Do you think Rashad Penny um, and their new, and their second round pick, Kenneth Walker, are going to have success running the ball against this front? Or do you think they're going to they're going to get shut down? Uh, running the ball, I think they're going to be pretty successful. I think in the pass in the pass rush, they're going to they're going to uh, be difficult. Now, I'm I'm excited. I, I think Charles Cross was one of my top top left tacklers, top tackles on the board. Um, obviously, he got picked up. What was it like? Would they have like tenth pick or something like that? Something like that. Yeah. Or no, they had our ninth. They had our ninth because we got right. uh, Russell Wilson, um, and that's who they picked up. So you're you're looking at a guy who they got from us because of the trade for Russell Wilson. So Charles Cross, I'm actually kind of excited about him. I thought it was a pretty good pickup if you're talking about trying to, to shore up your offensive line. And both of them, Cross and Lucas, have both looked really good in preseason. And I know and yeah. Lucas was somebody that we had um, in Denver. The Denver coaching staff hosted him for a, a pre-draft visit, so I know they were at least somewhat interested in him as well. Uh, but it, both of those guys played really well in preseason, and it does look like they're going to work out long-term. So to catch them on their first game is really what you want. If you, want, if you can send waves of pass rushers at them if you can keep them confused with randy gregory and bradley chubb uh, and nick benito you know and baron browning kind of mixing up moves and coming at them differently it's all to the best as far as i'm concerned you try as, and get them as confused as you can with stunts uh with multiple front looks and you you just you can't hand them anything easy and i think that's what Giro evero and those guys up front are going to be looking to do early yeah, and David, David, uh, I, I apologize for my ignorance. Randy Gregory is he ready to go for Week One? He is. Uh, he was limited in practice today, but it was not related to a setback uh, uh, from his injury. It does sound like it's you know more of the KJ Hamler treatment, where they're just bringing a guy who was who had a season-ending injury last year back slowly, want to get him integrated and make sure that he's fresh for game time. Uh, I believe I heard Coach Hackett say they were still discussing whether he would be on a pitch count for this game or not, uh, but it does sound like he will at least be uh, available in some capacity. Okay, so we have we have Bradley Chubb and Baron Browning on the outside, maybe with Randy Gregory getting the pitch count. Uh, Nick Benito out there, Jonathan Cooper, who we still are holding on to, uh, playing pretty decently well out there. Um, I think, I think, just if if you could keep Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory, I take them against rookies all day long. Yeah. Um, and and the, and the pass rush, and that's where I'm getting at here. In the run defense, <laughs> I think we're, I think we're, and I know, man, I'm gonna say it all season. This is gonna be, this is gonna be the team visor for team puffball argument all season. I guarantee it. I think in the run defense, we're a little bit, we're a little bit uh, vulnerable, and if they can take advantage of those vulnerabilities, that's where they're gonna win. Um, you know, I, I don't get me wrong, Bronco fan through and through. We all know this, right? For Draymond sure. Jones, DJ Jones, Deshaun Williams, good defensive linemen. I think DJ Jones as a nose tackle. I think Mike Purcell as a nose tackle are decent. They can't cover three holes. See, they can't cover. And I think that it's going to be really interesting to see how multiple the Broncos get with their fronts uh, this season. I think you may see a lot of Mike Purcell and DJ Jones on the field at the same time um, in to have maybe an even man front, or even if they decide to do a five man front with a pass rusher on the end of that, but with still two defensive tackles. Uh, I think you might see that a lot. Um, I think there's just a lot of ways to compensate for what you may think of originally as 
less talented inside linebacking core. Uh, and, we'll I, and I don't, I don't, I don't think. Uh, okay, maybe they're less talented. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're not the top defensive linemen in the league. However, a, a three, a five three or five two really at this point, five yeah. two right. defense. Mm-hmm. When you could have maybe maybe a four three or maybe a, you know four, like even, even if we played nickel, right, a four two with the, with an extra nickel out, out there. I just, mm-hmm. I the three man interior lineman is is tough for me to wrap my head around and it's gonna and, and honestly it's gonna be something i'm gonna be watching for this game if we have if we have three down linemen interior defensive linemen and we have randy gregory and bradley chubb who are pass rush specialists and we know that they're gonna be pass rushing they're not filling gaps they're filling the outside and maybe containing you're gonna have mismatches especially with our lack of inside linebacker and we'll see that's i i i i, I don't see the panic and i, I haven't all off season but you, you know, we're about to get a good test case because yeah. Seattle, you know, wh- whatever you think about Geno Smith, Seattle knows how to run the ball. They've been doing that yeah. for a while. So, and yeah, they've got, like I said, we had Rashad Penny um, and Kenneth Walker, who have both looked really good this preseason. It looks like they both got they've both got fresh legs. So, yeah, good test case here coming up. Yeah, no, it'll be a really good test case. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you think that there is Anything to talk about on special teams other than uh, Marshall Washington looks elected? Oh, yeah, I, I, I look, man, <laughs> special teams. Yeah, I, 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 you're I right. let's let's hope there's no reason to have to talk about. I, yeah, I was about to say, I was about to say the only reason we ever talk about special teams is when they're costing us games. That's it. Now, I mean, Brandon McMahon is going to be able to make some kicks. Uh, Montreal Washington. Interested to see how he does, right? Uh, he looks electric in preseason, but we all know how preseason looks, and um, we'll, we'll see. But it's, Here's I, a I, I, I just want to see our special teams do better. Yeah. Um, and we talked, we talked about the Bourbon Broncos No BS show, the punter situation, right? We got, we have Close the Waitman. new punter, mm-hmm. Waitman. Uh, I, I just think I just think he's just as good and can can punt the ball. I'd like to see us flip field position when we need to and and uh, not give up too many yards when we're when we're doing our <laughs> kickoff or kickoff return. Excellent coverage of the fundamentals of special teams there. Just um, straight up. Great. Um, well, this, hold on, hold on. Yeah, that, yeah. That's the fundamentals because that's all special teams <laughs> is. I can't get much more in depth than that. Fair enough. You guys, you heard it. We're, we're on the coach's corner with Jared right now. And that's heard <laughs> the mouth. Here's a question. If I ever, you. if I ever become a head coach somewhere, someone's going to pull this, pull this clip and be like, he doesn't give a shit about special yeah, teams, dude. About <laughs> special teams. Like you're going to pull that special teams coordinator higher in there on your first day. And he's going to pull that up on your, on his phone. Yeah, absolutely. Gonna, yeah. Um, so what do you think about the roles for these rookie wide receivers on this offense, um, specifically Washington and uh, Jalen Virgil, uh, a little bit of a surprise, um, especially for Virgil, I think, to make the team over guys like Seth Williams, um, Kendall Hinton. Yeah. Uh, just, just. Oh, uh, do you think that there's going to be immediate offensive snaps for those guys? I know the coaching staff really, really likes the size and speed combination of a guy like Virgil. Um, so do you think that they'll trust him enough to try and mix him in right away and see what they've got with him? Or do you think that they'll, they'll wait and put their veterans out there first? Yeah, he's a depth keep. 
That's that's straight straight up. Uh, he they had a couple spots. Obviously, I I don't want to say because I I respect the guy. And again, athlete, professional athlete, much more athletic than I am. So I respect the guy, Jalen Virgil over like you said, Kendall Hinton or Seth Williams. Kind of a tough call. I think we kept him based on the the fact that we always keep an undrafted rookie. He's got the speed, and he's got the he's got the speed. Um, of KJ Hamler for when KJ Hamler if if KJ Hamler ever goes down and I think that's why we kept him we keep him on special teams and we keep him for a death piece I do not see either one of those guys getting uh, Montreal Williams maybe maybe but I, I just don't see either one of those guys getting uh, significant offensive reps this week see now I'll, I'll I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on you a little bit there um, and based on a couple of things. Um, First, the training camp reports that we got that uh, Brandon Johnson, who was going to make the team before he sprained his ankle in the last preseason game, um, that he was running with the number one offense in practices. Um, So I think that that I mean, that just shows me that the coaching staff, when they see that a guy is earning reps, they'll give them to him. They'll trust him to go to that next level of competition a little bit. So I don't necessarily think that just because these guys are rookies doesn't mean that they'll see time on the field. I think if they've shown it in practices and none of the practices have been open to the public or reporters for like a month now. uh, So we don't know, but if they've earned that coaching, that trust from the coaching staff in practice, I think you might see some reps from them. I also will definitely push back on the idea that Jalen Virgil was a depth keep um, and he didn't really, play better than guys like Kendall Hinton or um, uh, Seth Williams. I, I, I think he played just as well as those guys did in preseason, but I think that if you're going to go to a point where he's even with them as far as what they put a tape on the field, um, you've got to go with his side. It's not just the speed with him because uh, he ran, you know, you, you were right about that. He runs a four, three, seven. Uh, he ran a four three seven at his pro day, so we know he's got the speed. But he's also six one and two ten, so it's a pretty imposing size speed combination that you've got with Virgil. That I think makes him a little bit more than a depth piece and a little bit more of a candidate to see some playing time early. Um, okay, I I, I want to push back on you because I feel like other than the one catch he had against the Cowboys, he 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 had a lot of time on the field and he had just he didn't have the and and here's the other thing I'll push back on and and I and this we're not here to agree all the time we agree a lot David but here's the thing I don't agree with okay. training camp or spring training talking about guys who are getting reps with the number one are not pieces of discussion for what's happening in the actual f- real season. We'll like, see. I don't think, I don't think saying, Oh, this guy got practice time this one day or this one week with the ones. I think what that is, is, Hey man, yeah, he's got some potential. I want to see what he does. If somebody goes down, I want to see what he does. Or may- maybe we try to find a guy. We-, we put these guys in with Russell Wilson. We try to find a guy who has good, good chemistry with Russell Wilson. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's the guy that's going to be out there or that that they trust him enough to be starting over guys like KJ Hamler, Cortland Sutton, or Jerry Judy. Well, they're and, not going to pull Jerry Judy off the freaking field just to get J- Jalen Virgil a chance. No, like that's not going to happen. No, but I think that they will assess a situation and say 
all right, this is our personnel package for this situation. This is what we've seen in practice, and this is what we think will work. Uh, I don't think that. What does what does Jalen Virgil have over KJ Hamler? Uh, well, Other I mean, than no, not having a season-ending injury last year, that I mean, really, that <laughs> for now, like they, I, I know they don't want to, uh, and and you know, they also said that today that there wouldn't be uh, a pitch count for KJ Hamler, but isn't it better if you got a guy who has been showing out in practice to see what he has in a game rather than run the guy who just had a season-ending injury out there over and over and over again? Well, so so you're saying KJ Hamler hasn't been showing out in practice? Have you? Are you saying he has? Yeah, but he hasn't. See, that's the thing. He's barely been able to practice. They've really been, and I'm, I'm again. They've they've been easing him back in slowly. So it's not as if he's had injury setbacks or anything like that. Um, but he's you know still a guy that they're trying to work back in. That's all I'm trying right. to say. I think that we could see. I just think that we could see packages with with Washington and Virgil out there a little bit sooner. You won't you won't pick Jalen Virgil up in your fantasy league. Uh, I n- n- no. No, I will not, Jared. I th- you know when He's I'm, not going to get the about, snaps, man. What I'm talking about is like maybe 5 to 10 offensive plays per game. I'm not talking about like Oh. He, hold on, get... you said significant. You said sig- are they going to be able to see significant time? That's not si- 5 or 10 snaps is a guy getting okay. water on the sideline. I mean, is he, I mean, see, but that's the thing. I think they're going to be five to ten snaps, but I think they're going to be five to ten snaps where the coaching staff is actively looking to get them the ball. Do you think Jalen Virgil has a catch in this game? Yes. Okay. Yes, I think Jalen Virgil will have a catch in this game. I don't think Jalen okay. Virgil will have five catches in this game. We'll see. Okay, I'm, we're, we're watching this. We're watching this for next week. I don't yeah. think. I don't think Jalen Virgil has more than... I, I'll give you I'll give you five I'll give okay. you five snaps so he'll he'll okay. line up for five reps when KJ Hamler needs the water, okay. um, and I don't think he has a single catch. Here's one other point I want to make, and then we can move off of this because we've been talking about it too long already. Um, we have been yes. Uh, the the Broncos did not go out and look for an outside replacement at receiver when Tim Patrick went down. They right. trusted that they had guys in-house who could do what he could do and in at the end of the day what that boiled down to was they kept Washington and Virgil and even after guys like you know Hinton and Seth Williams went out the door they didn't then go try and pick up anybody off the waiver wire or any free agents they stood pat with what they had so that to me says that they have trust in those guys to step in to some roles in this offense Stepping if needed, mm-hmm. if and they might needed, be. and they might be because because where does where does Tim Patrick where do you think Tim Patrick falls in this top three off wide receivers? Oh God, see that's a really good question, Jared. That's a question that uh, he played the best of any of them last year. He played better right. than yeah, he played better than Sutton and Judy last year. Um, Absolutely. Which and, and which tells me that I think I really think they had a pretty big role for him in mind in the offense this year too. Um, so again, that, that I think speaks to my point that they saw what he was going to do, what they wanted him to do in this offense. Then when you subtract that, they still saw enough uh, in the guys that they decided to keep that they didn't need to go and seek extra help. I think, I think they saw enough in the starting line 
that they didn't need to go seek extra help in the starting line. We okay. didn't need to. We didn't need to go out and get a top a top wide receiver. Like I I I think Tim Patrick could be a top wide receiver, a number one wide receiver, at a, 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 a number of other NFL teams this year. Yeah. But they saw guys like Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and KJ Hamler, and be like, you know what? Our starting guys are pretty good. Like we're fine. We don't need the starting guy. We have depth, right? But we have our starting guys. Like our depth at starting, our depth okay. at because let's be honest. If if even if even if he were to start, what, what are you going to bench Jerry Judy? Are you going to put Jerry Judy in the slot and KJ Hamler is kind of like a sub? Well, no, right? I think like the, are, are, their ideal three receiver set was Judy Patrick Sutton. That's what I'm saying is like right. you put Judy in the slot and yeah. now KJ Hamler is no longer a starter, well, which is fine. It. Well, I mean, yeah, I think that's, that's what, what the saying. thought process was. Yeah, KJ Hamler wasn't going to be a starter, I, I don't think. Right, but. You, but then you pulled you pulled like Tim Patrick out of the out of the mix, and you're like, okay, all of a sudden we're still looking pretty good at our starting list. We are, but now you've got. But if you know, and now 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 you if, if I say KJ Hamler goes out again, or Jerry Judy goes out, you don't think we go pick out try to go get a wide receiver? No, I think they'll they'll stick with what they've got, and I might be wrong okay. about that. Uh, but until you know, I think they would absolutely test the guys they have on the field first. Before going to that waiver. Oh, for sure. No, I'll give you that. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, but I, I, I think it's a little bit more of a, of a, a necessity. Yeah, we'll right. See, not, not yeah. necessity. A little bit more of an urgency. A little bit more oh, of an yeah. urgency oh, once yeah. one of those guys goes down. With Tim Patrick going down, there was no urgency. There was no need. There was no need to have urgency because we have those other guys out there. Yeah. You have yeah. another one of these starters go down. Now there's an urgency. Yeah. An urgency indeed, Jared. Urgency yeah, indeed. I'm going to well, say. I I have an urgency to wrap up this podcast, so let's. Uh, why don't we get to our score predictions here? Okay, let's do it. Um, you want me to start? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I'm going to start. I think I think the Broncos get off to a rough start. I think we come out a little slow, but I think we finish strong, and I think we win this game for the first time in a long time. I think we score 31 points, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's 31. 17 and then and i think they run for over 200 yards on us okay all right um i think a little bit the opposite of you i think that the broncos are going to start fast on offense and maybe i I think they may struggle to close the game but we'll we'll see about that um i do think they're going to win i think it'll probably be closer to 24 to 14 um, I, I, I do kind of expect the Broncos to just kind of start a little slowly on offense in general this year. And I don't think it's going to show up as prominently against a defense like Seattle's. Uh, but I do think that it, there's a decent chance that it takes a little longer for this offense to gel as a unit. So, uh, yeah, gel, we're bringing back gel. Um, yeah, but you just contradict yourself. I said that it's going to take a while to get going, but so we're going to pick know, it up. So and I then you you, you said bit. yeah. Um, I think they're gonna start. <laughs> I think they're gonna start fast in the game. Uh, I think they're gonna look good. Uh, you know, I think they're just gonna have that natural offense is beating the defense at this stage in the season look for the start of the game. Uh, but then right. I think as the game wears on, I think Seattle's gonna catch up to them a little bit and make it a little bit more of a grinded out game. And I think from there, for the next few games of the season, as the competition gets a little stiffer, uh, you may see the Broncos' offense struggle to get on its legs a little bit okay yeah you contradict yourself you uh, it was a good cover though 
It's, I, I appreciate you trying to cover there's, there. Yeah, there's there's room for lots of philosophies in the NFL <laughs> in NFL analysis. That's all. Uh, all right. Well, let's let's close this out. Closing thoughts, David. What you got? Closing thoughts. Boy, football is back, uh, and that's a stupid closing thought because we've been using it for about a month now. Um, so more general, more more specifically, um, it's it's really cool to be able to talk about matchups that you're actually going to see in a couple of days, like Pat Sertan and DK Metcalf, for instance. Um, that's not like an academic study that we have to project three months down the line for. It's actually coming up, and on next week's show, we're going to be able to talk about what we saw. Uh, so yeah, a little bit more specifically specific way of saying football is back, I guess, but that's as much as I've got. What about you? Yeah. Meaningful football. I think that's the, that's the statement I've heard a lot. Um, actual football that actually matters. That's not like, uh, a bunch of reporters talking out of their booty holes, um, (laughs) about, about what they saw in practice or preseason or, or scout, uh, I think we're actually going to see what what we're going to get out of out of our starting line, and um, I, I will say this too: I'm I'm excited with the team that we have. I'm also nervous. I'm nervous with the 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 young and and um, the changes that we made in the offseason, I think is the biggest one. The young coaching staff, uh, Russell Wilson, kind of the unknown about how he's going to click with the team. Right, we're never going to see the negative side of it. We're always going to see the positives, and um, I'm excited to see how they click. And I'm a little nervous about it, but we're gonna we're gonna see the holes eventually. We're gonna see the holes in the offense. We're gonna see the holes in the defense eventually. Unlike the interior linebackers for the Denver Broncos, because we don't have any, and uh, that's my last shot. Okay. I'm just gonna. Okay. okay. Um. Now what? What? Does, I think I think we've said it all. Think, <laughs> You're going to ask a question. I was, I was, you, but now I don't want to. Now I don't want to. Uh, so. Oh uh, man. Yeah. All right. Well, well. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Appreciate everything. Um, make sure you guys are hitting the subscribe button. Make sure you guys are following Orange Weekly on all your social medias. And uh, appreciate you guys for being here. We're back, and we're better than ever. We're doing doing our thing. Broncos country is here. Broncos are going to be a playoff contender this year and uh, we're here for it all the way. So thank you guys so much for listening and um, we'll end it off as we always do, David, with a very strong go Broncos. Orange Weekly, fans, brews, and Broncos news.